This podcast is proudly brought to you by Prince Wine Store, bringing Melburnians the greatest wine in the world, delivering Australia-wide. Princewinestore.com.au And thanks to Red Energy, 100% Australian electricity and gas. It was an odd sort of Groundhog Day seeing the tennis back and Nick Kyrgios up to his old tricks again, being so polite to everybody in the crowd. Abusing his family. Get your girlfriend out of my box, he said last night. Look, really. What's that all about? Oh, is that a form of sledging? I have certainly noticed going to the footy can be unpleasant, particularly at night games. And I'm sometimes really horrified at some of the crap that is said and goes on and the language. For about two weeks there over Christmas, I uh, looked like David Bowie. I had two completely different eyes. (laughs) I said, yeah, don't don't mention the eyes. It was better than that night you came to dinner looking like Adam Ant with those weird glasses. I mean, I was sympathetic. If I see the word curated one more time, curated, curated, uh, and guilty, I must say. With the word carefully in front of it? Carefully curated. (laughs) Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast with Caroline Wilson and Corey Perkin. Hi everyone, welcome to Don't Shoot the Messenger and episode 159, goodness gracious Caroline Wilson, 159 shows, you and I have been chatting on about all of our favourite topics, that is a lot of chatter. I know, I'm thinking we might have to start breaking the show up into years, into annual years and episode one, episode two, but it's a big number isn't it, it sounds good. Bring on the 200 I say, look we have a terrific show ahead of us today, well we think it's terrific, Caro has been to the movies again. I have a recipe for a gorgeous summer pudding that is so easy. We're going to discuss life in Melbourne post-lockdown, although as we talk this morning, that is a bit of a moving feast. And Caro has a crush and I'm grumpy. But firstly, we must thank our Don't Shoot the Messenger sponsors, Red Energy, Click for Vic and Prince Wine Store. A big shout out to you guys and we hope our potties are following in our own footsteps by buying their energy their Victorian-made produce, and, of course, all their booze from all of you guys. And speaking of alcohol, Caro, we were hoping to see Tony today from Prince Wine Store for the cocktail cabinet, but just before we came on air, Tony said that he was driving his kids to school and his son threw up in the back seat, so he's had to go home and he can't come here. Tony the dog ate his homework. No, no, I think that's probably fair enough. Um, I know that feeling, Corrie. Oh. Well, I set the alarm for 20 past five this morning, long story, but to get my husband away from the seaside and to the dentist, and then the dentist cancelled just as we hit Melbourne because oh. there was an illness. <laughs> I think I think there's a bit of gastro going around at the moment. There is a bit of gastro going Happily, around. Happily, there's not much COVID touch wood going around. Happily, that seems to well, be... Well, let's keep touching wood on that one. Today's a good day. We'll talk about that now, later. Now, any apologies or housekeeping, listener well, feedback? I just want to thank Sukawati, um, who loves t- having us back, and her daughter made the um, beautiful trout recipe that I talked about last week. Caro, so much love for that recipe. It on is the best the, recipe. On our Don't Shoot the Messenger Instagram It account. is absolutely delicious. She loves hearing all the Melbourne and AFL news, and boy... It might be the off-season, well, AFLW season, but there's a lot of news. You want to talk about Jan Bingley? Yeah, so Jan sent us a lovely uh, message, and we just wanted to read this out in its entirety. Can I just say we love long letters and long emails, so don't ever feel afraid of, of expressing your views here. 
Jan says, hi, Carol and Corey. Happy 2021 and so glad to have you back. I'm a little nervous about this message as I know how much you and many of your listeners love AFL and perhaps have a bit of a blind spot about its shortcomings. I get it. I really do. I'm a mad rugby union and tennis fan and I enjoy watching AFL on the telly. However, as a recent Uh, in brackets, five years in, resident of Melbourne, a city I absolutely love, the one thing I'm really uncomfortable with is the AFL culture. Its tribal nature, club versus club, seems to drive passions that so easily cross the line into abuse and threats. Yes, including racial abuse and its lack of diversity and dominance by white privilege all add up to an ugly culture. When I first arrived in Melbourne, I took myself off to some games at the MCG and Marvel Stadium thinking I would have a nice family day out and enjoy some footy. Both times I left early because I couldn't bear the abuse from around me. It wasn't abuse directed at me. It was directed at the players and umpires, but it was so rabid that it was over the top. I especially couldn't bear it coming from the children. There were no children. There were children in tears as their teams were losing. What's happened to it's only a game? Jan goes on, passion in sport is great, fanaticism isn't. If It truly is only a game and should not be an excuse for ugly antisocial behaviour, which in my view is rife in the AFL. Possibly the only other sport that could be similar or worse is soccer. Surely as AFL fans, you don't ever want to go down that path. And that was Jan Bingley. Thank you, Jan. For very, very interesting. Oh, what a thoughtful uh, commentary. Do you think it's getting worse Crowd behaviour in uh, the last five or ten years? Well, a few points of order. It's clearly more than a game to adopt a really oft-used cliche and name of a song. It's a culture. It's a lifestyle for people in Victoria and probably the entire eastern seaboard or a majority of the entire eastern seaboard of Australia. But I have certainly noticed going to the footy can be unpleasant, particularly at night games, Friday night games when people have had a few drinks and you know, without sound, I'm not trying to sound toffy, but I sit in the MCC members when I'm at the MCG because I'm a member, and I'm sometimes really horrified at some of the crap that is said and goes on and the language, really terrible and abusive, and people are angry, and that that anger is, look, it, it's always been an outlet for your emotions going to a sporting arena. That's fine, but but after the siren, they're still carrying the anger anger with. One oh another. no, it's more just you know, it usually. First half, they're the worst, and then the the ones who are clearly drunk just hit the bar if their team's losing and you don't see them again. But it can be really annoying. Look, I don't think – I think it, I've always said it's one of the more – it's the most inclusive footy code in Australia, in my view, um, in terms of women. People of all shapes and sizes have always played it. That's changing a bit now, but um, it is a bit more homogenised in that. T- but certainly a lot more multicultural Australia is seen on the footy field. So – they're working against that, but I guess, and we'll we'll briefly mention Eddie Maguire later. But I think that was a, a real eye opener, that investigation, that review into um, what t- was exposed as systemic racism. Well, we will talk about club. it later. But isn't it interesting that a high profile club like Collingwood uh, drops a report like that? There's lots of discussion, analysis, and. Eddie's role going forward, so on and so forth. But it's actually got people talking about an important role. Good thing. Good it thing. certainly diminished the precedent. Now, um, do we owe Miss Jane an apology, Corrie? Well, Miss Jane says not, but why don't you read Or Alison? should I say Jane? <laughs> no, we had a lovely message from Alison Morgan by email. Thank you. She really enjoys the show, particularly loved your US election coverage, Corrie. Um, but have we thought of dropping the Miss Jane? Maybe it's to inject a profile, but I find it jarring. It's a bit twee, slightly patronising, although he knows we're mates. But And we're 
the fact that we're all so strong feminists, he points that out, but and it's not intended to sound patronising. Why did we even start calling you Miss Jane? I've just always thought of oh, it as a, a term of affection, it's Jane. A, it's a, I think I started it. I'm guilting Mia Culpa. I have a couple of friends like Miss Neats. You know, it's just a, it's an absolute term of endearment. Jane, I hope you don't think that I was being Southern American <laughs> Georgia. Have you been seething hey, all these years, Jane? No, it actually goes back to when I first was doing kids TV for the ABC and also like it was a little bit of the Mr. Squiggle hangover. I wasn't on that show. You weren't but, Miss Pat. <laughs> and when I first started in commercial radio, the general manager just went, well, no one likes your last name, Neil. What? <laughs> you need a proper name for on air. And it's just oh. a hangover. And then, of course, stupid. I didn't know that. <laughs> so you, you you're, weren't so, original. Sorry, Corrie, but. <laughs> oh. But it's funny because I think that maybe if I hadn't had a child and I was worried about being seen as a spinsterly old miss, which I'm not, embrace it. Oh, isn't the like, word spinster the worst no, word? Exactly. But spinster bachelor. Yeah. I mean, one sounds like a happy party going and the other one sounds like <laughs> Miss Havisham. You know, exactly. Somebody out of an Anisha Bruckner novel oh, with the mustard cardigan. Eating, eating a piece of asparagus for dinner with an <laughs> old piece of trout. But I think it's... <laughs> Remember asparagus out of the tin, Caro. That's what her characters eat. I just but Jane, never, do you mind it? No. I've, I've always felt, and especially with you two, it makes me feel young and also like... Well, I, Jane, I, let's face it, compared <laughs> to us, you are young. But I don't know. I've always seen it as a positive. Like Miss Jane from Mr Squiggle to me was an icon of my youth. So maybe it's that I'm just that bit younger and I hate moose. Like I hate being oh, see, a moose. I, I'm, I like moose and I call mm. myself moose, but I'm not going to call you moose, Jane. No. And that <laughs> I mean, makes me feel. <laughs> it, 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 I think it's a thing apart from mm. female titles. I think it is. It's just a, they they sound good together. It's a term of endearment. And Alison, really a great talking point. Loved your email, but once in a while we still might say Miss Jane. Um, we're going to I'm, look. I'm not stopping. Jane has just said that she loves it, and it's. It, it, I mean, as you say, Alison, Caro, and I. Could you find two more practice what you preach feminists around the table? Probably not. But look, Janie, if you're happy, we're happy. So we're all happy. So that's good. Don't, please don't feel any more angst um, or find it jarring, Alison. I hope that's okay with you, Caro. Last week when we were going through our housekeeping, do you know what we forgot to talk about? We forgot to say that you had two more grandchildren since we last spoke. And you've had a marriage proposal and acceptance well, in your family. I haven't, yes. <laughs> Brendan, down on his knee again. No. no. Well, Rose and Oscar are now into their third trimester over in Amsterdam. They're locked down still and things. there's a lot of snow and the British strain is causing real problems there. But the numbers are – It was a, I think our last podcast, it was around 12,000 a day in the Netherlands. It's now down to the 3,000s, which is great. That's great. That's lockdown for you. But, Caro, what happened on New Year's Eve? Well, we, we woke up on New Year's Day to a, a beautiful <clears throat> a beautiful um, note from Oscar um, hoping that we he had our blessing to um, propose to Rose, which, of course, we did, and we got the lovely phone call a few hours later. They got engaged on New Year's Eve. And, you know, life's pretty exciting. But around Christmas time... Oh, busy as 10 men you in were our just, house. You were, we're you popping were in Ballarat. Out those babies. You were in, you were, there <laughs> so, was so, so much Ma- excitement. Max was born in Ballarat on December the 22nd and Florence was born in Melbourne on December 26th. So both very early, both early. That's right. And in between that, we had Christmas trading at the shop. So it was all fun and games. But... Um, mothers, Francesca and Lube, are doing a brilliant job. They were wonderful um, in their delivery moment and um, ably assisted by son-in-law Charlie and my son Will. 
and all sets of parents and babies and siblings are going um, very, very well. Both houses, both kitchens, I might add, look a bit like a dairy factory. As Lib said the other day, she asked her sister, you know, pre-baby, you know, like two or three bottles enough. And I think sis who's had a couple of kids sort of probably, well, you might need one or two more. But both both kitchens are identical with bottles being um, you know, sterilised um, and lots of expressing of milk and all of that. They're I can't believe the newfangled expressing machines so now easy compared to, to what we used no to have pumping. to do. Oh, like you don't have to do it manually anymore. Oh, And then, of course, um, speaking of milestones, Willow has moved into the Sparrows group um, <laughs> at childcare. And Hattie, who I thought was going into Doves, I was actually corrected. She's um, now gone into three-year-old kinder over the summer. So, And over the summer, that actually proved really helpful with Hattie, who's prone to the odd tantrum, because we'd just say, get up off the floor. Kinder girls don't do that. Very good. GLT, Caro, GLT. Very good. Oh, yeah. In fact, um, a lovely old friend reminded me the other night of how my mother, Julia, used to drive my Rose and this particular girl to um, Georgia to school every morning and one day they were in junior school and um, mum saw, they saw a girl on the corner of some corner near the school smoking with a couple of boys and mum leant over and wound down Rose's window and told the girl that, you know, in no uncertain terms, grammar girls don't smoke and Rose and Georgia were hiding under the <laughs> Just like their, their street grid totally ruined. Anyway, very funny. <laughs> now, Corrie, you and I were back in Melbourne last week, like really out in Melbourne, and I haven't been to the CBD and gone out for so long. I went out twice in three, three times in three nights. I wow. was sitting you've out been, in bars. Been, oh, you've been out I was out at Arbury Afloat. I went to this fabulous restaurant with Clem called Embla. I went to a, a beautiful 60th at... Um, the, the Kelvin Club. Have you ever been to the Kelvin Club? Um, no, I haven't. Oh, Isn't a, it a man's only club, though? No, certainly not. It's a really beautiful club. Kelvin, um, Mr. Kelvin, was he the inventor of the instrument of light or something? Anyway, it's a hidden men's club in the back blocks of the city around Russell Street. And um, the beautiful, he is a podcast fan, I believe, Rebecca Bernard. Just what a... Oh, such a beautiful singer too. Oh, and her best friend Dominique, who's another friend, made a lovely speech, and there was uh, there was musical acts galore. But um, so that was that was a sixtieth birthday. Sorry, Beck, I don't want to age you there. Melbourne is jumping. Yeah, Melbourne is. Look, Melbourne is jumping, Caro. I mean, despite a little COVID scare, it's interesting. I mean, I I went with um. When Coco said, what do you want for Christmas? I just said time with you, which I know sounds a bit like um in miscon. Geniality, you Mr. know, yep. all I want is world peace. But it was true. And so she gave me for Christmas um, an outing to Ballerina. She set the date in February and she took me to Ballerina, which is in Little Collins Street, a Spanish, I think you've been there too, a Spanish restaurant. Miss Jane, it is the best, can I just say. I actually that, don't think I have been there. Well, we sat outside and it was one of those rare warm summer evenings in Melbourne. <laughs> it's been a bit rare. But we had we had uh, just really, you know, pl- little platter after little, little platter. But it was just so lovely to have a, uh, a night out with one of your children when it's been so long. It certainly didn't happen during COVID. So that was really special. But walking through the city, not a lot of people, I have to stress, that was quite worrying. And I, I did feel, as I walked down Burke Street, I was feeling a lot for my dear friends at the Hill of Content bookstore 
everybody, if you are, are working in the city, don't forget there are two wonderful bookshops up the top end of Burke Street that you must visit. But look, um, it was great to be back. And it's interesting, Caro, I was thinking about all of the things that um, I have done in the last week or two that, of course, we didn't do essentially all year. And the first thing that came to my mind was just about the first thing I did when lockdown was over, go and buy a bra. And I've since bought a couple and it's quite enjoyable actually not having to figure that out online and trying on clothes as well. Yes. Quite, not buying them online. Well, I, I felt the streets of Melbourne were quite full the night I was out with, and a lot of people with European accents, maybe an Australian open thing. And this arbory afloat, you know, this boat under on the prince under the Princess Bridge. Oh my lord, that is that was pumping, jumping, jumping. It's really great. And, and everybody these... says the NGV triennial, triennial, which I'm yet to see. That's fantastic. Well, Clem Can't went on Friday that. night. She says it's absolutely yeah. brilliant. I love, I love those triennials. I love it's the coming together every three years of. I guess the cultural zeitgeist, what, what Australian um, artists are up to at the moment. So it's always a fantastic presentation. And then on the domain in South Yarra, opposite the Botanical Gardens, all those bars that they've opened up, they've opened up the street. And um, I sat out there one night with a, a group of lovely lovely school mothers from, you know, back in the class of 2008. It was just the happiest, most beautiful night. It was, I mean, it, yeah. you just forget, but, but don't even you? Ju- but even just in your local shopping centres. So Florence and I went for a walk the other day uh, down Sydney Road, Brunswick, to my favourite Mediterranean wholesalers, which of course was difficult to get to given the five kilometre lockdown. But just to be back in there and in a, in a thriving Melbourne street with shops either side, which is the old yep. Robert Hoddle grid of Melbourne, these great shopping streets of Melbourne, High Street Armadale and Puckle Street Mooney Ponds and Ligon Street Carlton, they've all come back to life again. It's so wonderful. And in fact, um, the bookshop next week has got another a live event. Is that an actual no, live it's, event? No, it's not a live event. Um, thank you for mentioning it, Caro. So it's really interesting how um, bookshops have sort of had, if they've had events programs and book clubs and things, all of that stopped last year. But some of us were able to kind of, to use that awful word, pivot onto Zoom and we've kept our community. But we've started having these events via Zoom webinars, which are fantastic. We had about 200 to Jane Harper back uh, in November, I think it was. And next week we have Don Watson, who you and I love, um, former speechwriter of Paul Keating, an award-winning non-fiction writer himself. Um, he came to the bookshop in 2016, Caro. He'd just written a quarterly essay on America, Donald Trump's America, before Trump was elected. And I remember Don saying, uh, don't underestimate this man. I think he'll win the election in November. And the entire crowd of 60 just laughing incredulously. So Don's on the money. Anyway, I'm really thrilled that we're going to be talking about his new collection of essays. So if anybody wants to join, just get onto mybookshop.com.au and follow the prompts there to come and join us for the webinar. Grab a glass of wine, sit on your sofa. You know, it's okay. It's actually not a bad way. I know people miss the chicken sandwiches in the shop. I do. Be good when they come back. (laughs) Hey, um, and I know this is, um, it's speaking too soon, potentially, but I still think it's a good thing the Australian Open went ahead. I oh, do feel do the city you? is buzzing. Look, the jury's out for me. I get so scared. The hotel so quarantine is, about these these. The hotel quarantine strains. is terrifying. What could happen? But it seems to at the moment be working okay. This these virulent strains are obviously really really scary. But still, only two positive cases. They seem to have been contained, and I just think the the cost. What I mean. 
I just think the cost would have been so great to not have it and the danger of it going to an Asian city or a Middle Eastern city would have been so great that I'm glad they went ahead. If they can if they can get through it, it'll be fantastic and if the ratings are good and if a few people turn up, obviously the numbers aren't great compared to what it would normally be and they can't be, but I'm... I'm still feeling pretty comfortable about it. Mm, well, did, it, it I know I'm in the minority. It was an odd sort of Groundhog Day seeing the tennis back and Nick Kyrgios up to his old tricks again, oh. being so polite to a- everybody in the crowd. Abusing his family. Get your girlfriend out of my box, he said last night. Look, really. What's that all about? Oh, is that a form of sledging his oh, opponent? He's such, oh, he's such but, an idiot. But it was odd to see so few people in the, sta- in the stadium dotted around. Yeah, and I, I think they had to throw out a few free tickets too. Now, are we going to talk about cocktails today or are we no, going to wait go, till we see go, Tony next week? we're going to wait till Tony's child stops throwing up and Tony comes back again because I know I wanted to talk about um, my favourite cocktail of the summer. Uh, After I gave the plug to Sherry last week, I'm hoping Tony can come up with some very good Sherry. Well, I, well, I did ask him in an email. I said, be, be full on with Sherry and full on with um, my surprise. So we won't talk about that today. But, Carol, but hello, um, Prince Wine Store. We yes, love you. Yes, hello, Prince Wine Prince Store. PrinceWineStore.com.au. Sorry, you, sorry your main man's not here. <laughs> Vermouth on ice is another one I want to discuss. Um, Caro, you told me over summer you had lots of GLTs, and I know that we're going to do a bonus episode on GLTs in a couple of weeks. Is there one that you are just busting to share with potties and yes. with Jane and I? Yes, picked up as always. Not in the makeup room of Channel 9, but the hairdressing salon. I mean, where else do you get the best GLTs? If you have a stain, and it doesn't matter if it's beetroot or peach juice or chocolate ice cream or the dreaded oil of any sort, hairspray. Oh, you told me about this the other day when we were playing Scrabble. Yeah. Oh, look, what James. Did I, what did I drop on my and oil. you said some sort yeah, of Yeah, and you said, I'll get the hairspray out. Well, I, do, I don't have hairspray. Well, no, neither do I, but I think we need to get it. And this particular um, hairdresser, the beautiful Carmen, said to me that her husband, I can't remember what his job is, but whatever it is, he often comes home with oil-stained clothes. And she just sprays it, Schwarzkopf, and there was one particular brand, but she says any hairspray, good, strong hairspray will do. Schwarzkopf is the one she uses. Spray it on the stain. Leave it for a couple of hours and then put it in the washing machine. Righto. Um, my, now, how's that? I mean, how good, good is really that? Good, that is a really good tip. And I, I've tried it. I, I bought some and I tried it and it worked. My my um, my GLT appeals to a very small segment of our audience. If you're ordering a new contact lens because you've torn one, just remember to say to your um, optometrist, not the tinted variety. For about two weeks there over Christmas, I... Uh, look like David Bowie. I had two completely oh, different eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was holding Florence one day and Lib was looking at me curiously and said, Is, I said, yeah, don't, don't mention the eyes. It was better than that night you came to dinner looking like Adam Ant with those weird glasses and your eyes. I mean, I was sympathetic. Don't laugh. <laughs> I tell you what, having a torn contact lens which rips into your cornea is not fun, especially around Christmas. I'm sorry. But that was um, that was a couple of tastes of our GLTs to come, thanks to Red Energy, and we'll do a special bonus app next week, Corrie. But I've got a crush. Great. Now, is it somebody from the Richmond Football Club? No, no. I, Gee, Jane, I don't think we'll be seeing that for a while. Speaking about football, I still love the Tigers. Speaking about football, I, I did think about Tom Brady because uh, my uh, 43, he's won more Super Bowls than the team, than the New England, than the New England Patriots. He is incredible. And 
you know, you, you think about um, all the brilliant elder sportsmen and women. I guess Serena Williams is another one you'd talk about. Um, that Aussie surfer. Uh, who's our greatest Aussie surfer? Miss Jane. Matt. It'll come to me in a moment. Um, but anyway, I think at 43 to do what he's done is Kelly amazing. Kelly Slater? But, no. Thank you. Right. Kelly Slater. He's not my crush. Um, I, I would imagine that you, like me, are not huge a huge fan of gay conversion therapy. I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Well, it, it, the bill was passed by the Victorian Parliament it's, last yes. week, banning gay yes, conversion yes. therapy. Although, look... Would you like to explain to everybody? Well, well, my crush is, this is a segue to Harriet Shink, who is the first openly gay woman in Victorian Parliament. She's an upper house member. And she got up to speak last week and was shut down by the opposition because she started to read out all the names of all the opposition members who had abstained from voting. So none of them turned up in Parliament to vote because although... She shamed them. They didn't want to vote for gay conversion therapy. They also didn't want to maybe upset their electorates. I don't know, but none of them turned up to vote against it. It was just a really strange, and there's obviously some religious leaders who are anti, who didn't want the bill passed, but I I just found it completely extraordinary that, and she wasn't able to do it because they kept yelling out point of order, point of order. So she never got to say everything that she wanted to say and she became quite emotional. But I did find it odd that so many politicians in our town wouldn't actually vote against something that surely we're going back to the 19th century talking about this sort of stuff. Why why are politicians these days so afraid of their electorates? Well, look what's happening in the States if, with if the Republicans. If you're paid to do a job, the surely Republicans you've got to turn afraid, up and vote. Yeah, the Republicans are too afraid to, to go out and, and, and say what they really think about Donald Trump's role in the insurrection of January 6th. When did politicians become so fearful and of why, their electorates? Why, why won't Barack Obama give evidence at the impeachment? Mm, I don't know about that. I haven't investigated that, Well, Caro. he just said he's going to leave it to the Senate. Anyway, I, I thought Harriet King spoke beautifully, and I'm sorry she didn't get I to didn't finish say, what she I didn't see that, say. but I will, um, I will uh, certainly have a look at that. Caro, books, screen and food, you have a beautiful book. I do. I've got a few, but I'm going to talk about Mayflies, which um, our friend Sal gave to me as part of our book club, Chris Kringle. I'd never heard of An- Andrew O'Hagan. Is it O'Hagan? O'Hagan, yeah. Okay. I thought it was Andrew Hagan. It's O'Hagan. Um, it was very funny. Sal said, I think you'll like this. It's about a friendship between two Irish boys growing up in Ireland. Well, in fact, it was Scotland. We both laugh later, but they're sort of close. He's a and Scottish novelist, Carol, born in 1968. Yeah. He could not have picked a better book for me to read over Christmas. It's a story of a friendship. It's a story in two halves. It begins in Glasgow in the early 1980s and culminating in a trip to this Manchester Manchester Music Festival, which is just hysterical what these boys get up to. But their family backgrounds have got some real tragedy in them. And fast forward to the present day when one of these, this, these two friends rings the other one, who is by now a very successful... Don't acad- give it away a very successful academic and author and asks his friend to do him a favour. And, oh, look, it's a beautiful story. It made me laugh. It made me cry. It's called Mayflies. It's just, I know that you, Scott, at your bookshop apparently has been pushing it to you. I really recommend it. I thought it was just the most lovely book. I do have to read it. I agree with that. Um, 
It's um, It's been a slow burner, as we love to say, in the trade. Um, and a few book clubs are actually picking it up too, which I think is great. Caro, no surprise to any of us. You've been off to the picture theatre. What have you seen? Oh, I saw an absolute cracker. Also in Melbourne last week with um, my friend Deb, I thought I was seeing a again. I thought I was seeing a movie about <laughs> set in Ireland <laughs> about two young women. I don't know how I got that so wrong. This is a French thriller called Only the Animals. It actually came out apparently in 2019, or it was made in 2019, but because of COVID, it's only just been released. It's a French thriller. It opens in a snowstorm and there is a woman disappeared. Her car is, is found on a you know local road in a small remote village. The police have got no idea where to start. And the story is broken up in the stories of five or six different people and how they relate to this woman and her disappearance. It is Dickensian. It is the most tangled thicket you have ever seen. In fact, it doesn't actually open in this French village. It opens on the Ivory Coast. And you think, oh, that must be a short from a different film. I don't know how this is connected. And then... It unfolds. Oh, it is absolutely brilliant. It actually, um, I think it won one award at the Caesars for Best Supporting Actress. One of the girls, Laura Callamy, who is in Call My Agent, great series on Netflix. She's in it. Um it's directed by Dominic Mole, and he also wrote it. Oh, look, seriously, do yourself a favour. Only the animals. Oh, it is, that's a really good tip. And, it's and on, fascinating. And on sort of general lease. And, yeah, well, yeah, um, I mean, it's on at all the palace cinemas. I saw it at the Classic in Elstonwick. And, oh, Corrie. It's, you know what we are normally. It's brilliant. You know what we're normally doing at this time of year, Cara, don't you? We're going to the. Which film festival? No, we are looking at Going the, to Congress, the British Congress go- on the Gold Coast? <laughs> well, <laughs> gee, that sounds fun. Um, 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 no, I, we, are, we are receiving, uh, usually about this week. Or oh, maybe the Oscar week, nominations. Yeah, the Oscar nominations, which of course, because of COVID, have been put back to April. I like so that. So the shortlist April, April or the, um, the contenders, I should say, not the shortlist, but the contenders for best picture, best actor, all that sort of thing, uh, we have to wait until the first week of March. Oh. So that's interesting. But there's been a bit of... That's um, We've got enough And Golden Globes are in March, I think they are. But there's been a bit of pre-talk and pre-discussion and, of course, tipsters are all, and pundits are all jumping in. Uh, quite a few Netflix... Um, moments and opportunities there amongst that lot, as you I can imagine. imagine. I'm not yes. sure what sort of a, a ceremony they're going to have, nor indeed will they have a host, but um, let's wait and see. Now, Caro, I have a great recipe, and I'm sorry, but I served this to you and I hadn't cooked it correctly. So I'm just saying that from the outset. It is. You keep saying that, but you said it was too frozen, but it was beautiful. You're supposed to take it out of the freezer two hours before you serve. Okay. You all broke your teeth. But look, that's okay. We, we live to um, get through it. Um, it's called a raspberry ripple cake. So just think of your old-fashioned chocolate ripple cake, but think raspberries and think butternut snaps instead of Mari biscuits, okay? So um, this is from Julia Bazzuto. instead of chocolate ripple biscuits. Yes, yes. Oh, sorry. Instead of, oh, sorry, I'm thinking of a cheesecake. Yes, yes, yes. Instead of chocolate ripple biscuits. So uh, the, this is from Julia Bazutal Nishimura's wonderful book, A Year of Simple Family Food, which I have mentioned before on the podcast, and uh, this is in her summer section. 
and raspberries when raspberries at the, are at their least expensive. And it involves pure cream, cream fraiche, a vanilla pod, which you split, get the seeds out, um, and a teaspoon of vanilla bean paste, icing sugar, raspberries, grated zest of lemon, and um, butternut snap um, or other plain sweet biscuits, but butternut snaps I think were fantastic. And then t- for a bit of decoration, more raspberries and red currants if you can get them. Hopefully not ginger, which is very expensive at the moment. You essentially uh, assemble all of this together. We will have the way you do it on the show notes. But again, as I said, think chocolate ripple cake with a bit of a twist. Um, the key here is to put it, um, when you've wrapped it in plastic and all of that sort of thing, put it in the freezer <laughs> And as I said, transfer it to the fridge and leave. Oh, it says here for a further eight to twelve hours. So it says overnight you've got to put it in the freezer, and then you. Put, so I just bought it out of the freezer. Was wondering when you when you were all waiting patiently for your pudding. How on earth am I going to get this thing out? Um, a bit of a hot kettle helped, but it was okay. But it was very frozen. So. I thought it was meant to be frozen. It worked frozen, but I get it. Now, for our friends from the Outer Sanctum, the race family, Emma and Lucy and husbands, I hope none of you lost your teeth. And I hope, <laughs> I hope when you were driving home that night, you weren't in the car going, what was with that pudding? Anyway, it is absolutely delicious. And it makes a really beautiful birthday cake, which I can testify to as well. It was delicious. It, um, I might have a crack at the old chocolate ripple cake one of these days. You and my brother have a good bake-off often, don't you? William Wilson, wait till he has my raspberry ripple cake. It It'll blow his his little feeble attempts at chocolate ripple out of the water. Oh, and a cheerio to my brother and sister who are driving back to Sydney as we speak. Um, now, Corrie, that was BSF for Red Energy, powered by Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy. Call 131, Corrie, 131 806 for Real Aussie Energy. And the Melbourne-based team will help you out. And Corrie... Your, it's your turn this week to be grumpy. Yes, I'm very grumpy. I'm grumpy with electronic passwords. Just have the same one. No, you can't. You can. No, you can't. <laughs> with what during, do you mean? During, well, during lockdown, there was heightened activity with various subscriptions, news services, online shopping, that sort of thing. And so I have a couple of trusted passwords in different combos, but then you'll get to one that says, we need 10 or 12 or the other day 14 digits, which must include at least one capital letter, one number, one exclamation or punctuation mark. I just, what? So then what you do, they say, oh, would you like it? Would you like us to give you a difficult password? So you click on your phone, yes, and then you get through. If you try and log on on your laptop, the memory isn't there. That, yeah, I've so had, then you've, I've got, had then you've got to go back to, issue. you've got to go back to the original provider, the business yeah. and say, oh, oh, can I have a new password? Oh, I tell you what, and the other thing I hate, which I've talked about before, is when an, when a website asks you to verify that you are not a robot and then it shows you the nine images, who are the photographers? Why is everything so unclear? Oh, come on. It's and then, pretty easy, though, to see well, which okay, ones are traffic okay, okay. lights. Okay, so it says traffic lights. Well, sometimes they're in the distance, so you fail, and you think, how did I fail? Well, and then you, you notice there's one. You have another crack at it, and you yeah. do motorbikes. Well, the other, or... Okay, smutty pants. So the other day it said, <laughs> identify the pictures with the crosswalk in it. Oh, yeah, I've had that, yeah. Oh, crosswalk. I mean, off the top of your head, do you speak American? Yeah, I know. I, I know. thought, what is a crosswalk? Is, is, that a, is that a pedestrian crossing? But I like that the thing. That took another two seconds to I look like out what that was. I like the thing now when you can press passwords and all the different passwords to all the different things come up, like Pinterest or um, one of your bank accounts, or and you just press <laughs> on that one. <laughs> well, I, I know I don't, I, I've sort of, I just have the same password and it's got, 
a number and a capital letter and sort of gets by. Sorry, no, Jane's getting concerned. I'm going to say what it is. But I also think... Um, Jane's melting with concern. I love it when you start... Like you do with a film. When you Jane, start when writing she gives it away out. who dies at the, you know... But yeah. when you start writing it out and it goes weak, 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 moderate, you're going, oh, for heaven's sake, I'm, you know, I don't exactly. care if it's weak. And I do agree with that side of it. Okay. Not a bad grumpy, something we all deal with now all the time. Could we have your correspondence potties if you've had the same sort of issues as me? Now, do you want me to kick off with six quick questions? Yeah, why not? Will Anthony Albanese survive the year as leader? I think he will, Caro. You do? Even though News Limited are trying to to, um, rattle the cage a bit. There doesn't seem to be anybody else, no other rising talent. And um, I think the Labor Party probably, the Federal Labor Party probably realises that it would be catastrophic to change leaders this year because odds on Scott Morrison's going to call an election. And then the other thing too is if Joe Biden's victory has shown us anything, it is that if you, you know, steady the ship, keep the message the same. Hang around long who, enough. Somebody, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's Four Corners show. Yeah, wasn't that a great show? Yep. But anybody, like a down-to-earth decent, which uh, Anthony Albanese certainly is, and a play-safe candidate, if ever they're going to win, this is kind of the time or the moment. So I would probably just be sticking with the, uh, the knitting there. Speaking of overthrowing or otherwise, will Eddie Maguire survive the year as president of the Collingwood Football Club? Bigger question, certainly for me. Um, bigger. <laughs> well, in terms of, you know. Mm, national leadership, no, no, no footy what club. I mean is it's a bigger question mark, I think. Oh, I see. I um, see. And, and also News Limited are having, you know, a serious crack, let's face it, mm. um, uh, on Eddie. Look, um, I think he will. I think the fact that the Victorian Premier and the AFL's chief executive sort of both supported him last week. Certainly Daniel Andrews said no, you know, you don't walk, you don't shirk these things. Gillan McLaughlin was as unsupportive to Eddie as he's ever been, but he still didn't denigrate him or have a go at him. He just sort of backed away from him. I think he'll survive, but I think his legacy has been diminished and his farewell tour has been abandoned. I mean, there are a few farewell tours in footy this year. Brian Cook, the longest serving CEO at Geelong, um, and an unbelievable CEO of two football clubs, West Coast and Geelong, played a part in five premierships. Um, Caro, you've known me for more than 40 years. What is my motto in life? What? Get out while the going's good. When the party's hot. Yeah. Well, no. Get out I'm, when everything's at its peak. Well, he couldn't. Unfortunately, they've gone through an embarrassing trade period where they've seen been seen as mercenary and hypocritical, Collingwood. The treatment of Adam Trelaw, I single out. Um They've, the the racial review was so damning and Eddie's response so dreadful. And I, I hate to say, but sort of in character to things he's done in recent years, I just think the farewell tour is not going to go well. And I don't think it's going to be as great a farewell as you would have imagined. I can't see them winning the flag this year. You know, they've been bigger surprises. Who knows? Now, Corrie, what is this month's most overused word? Oh, you know how I think about words. I, if I see the word curated one more time, curated, curated, uh, and guilty, I With must say. With the word carefully in front of it? <laughs> carefully, carefully curated. curated. <laughs> carefully curated. Not, you... not, not slapdash curated. Oh, look, honestly, I uh, agree. Well, I have, uh, and I'm guilty. We do say in the bookshop that we do curate, perhaps not carefully, but we do curate books, particularly for our readers. I think they're probably just good business decisions. I don't know. But the other day, Caro, what what triggered this off with me the other day, a local real estate agent on its website said, quote, our curated network of qualified professionals, skilled and reliable tradespeople are here to meet your property related needs. 
carefully curated. That's a unusual. curated <laughs> network of tradies. <laughs> well, hopefully their work is curated when they actually come to your house and um, fix your um, what's kitchen a cura- bench. What's a curated network of tradies? Yeah, it, I, I think I think that's ba- there. There are a few. Optics is another word I just loathe, but curated, I agree, is probably going, been over, yes. So, good one. Caro, how do you feel about Bells Beach losing the Easter Surf Carnival? Well, it's really disappointing, particularly because it's going to Newcastle and it's created yet another sort of New South Wales versus Victoria debate. I think that unfortunately um, the surfers' demands and what they wanted to come and surf at Bells was just unacceptable. I mean, unlike the tennis players who were happy, well, weren't not happy, but agreed to quarantine for 14 days, the surfers didn't want to and it was just too hard. I can't see Bells going forever. I can't see this as being a danger to the future of Bells, but I, th- I think it's really disappointing. Don't you? Mm, I do. I feel really sad for all of the gang on the surf coast, all the businesses that have missed out. But isn't it funny how that, that surf carnival is often – um, the traumatic weather conditions. It's always about 12 degrees on it. The it's always shocking. It'll on probably it. be the best conditions in Newcastle, which is a great town, by the way. Now, Corrie, which is the one pantry item which causes you the most angst when you run out? This happened the other night. Tea. Oh, that's a rookie error by you. Oh, it's Whenever so I'm in a supermarket and I see tea, I make a, a, the thing of bushels. Well, it's the going, it's going between. Is that what going, you buy? Yeah, no, um, yeah, I used to do tiny tips and then, but. More often than not now, it's Twining's English breakfast. But to not have that extra packet of tea, and I thought this is the thing about having not knowing where your stuff is, and I've been to Ballarat and I've been to Brunswick to stay the night here, there and everywhere, and I'm a bit lost. And so hard to have no tea. And the only thing there was some packet of tea bags. Oh, no, we get very upset when we run out of tea. Look, I, I love um, Twining's tea, but it's so expensive. Oh, no, but sometimes, but you can often get it on a special I only expensive. I only shop around. I, I was in the Ball- Ballarat supermarket a couple of weeks ago, and they had it for five fifty. I think it was. Yeah, but bushels where you get a lot more in the pack. No, like, true. Oh no, I'm a princess. You know, I'm a princess something. with my tea. But bushels is really nice tea. Tiny Tips is a bit powdery. I, I'm a bushels girl. I mean, I I agree with you though. Terrible when it runs low, and always have a spare pack in the cupboard. Oh. Well, do you have a do you have one item that would you just freak out if it's not in the pantry? Well, it's tea, isn't that funny? And but it's so funny because I was at the supermarket yesterday and I thought got plenty of tea, but I'll just chuck one in. I, I'm keeping it in the back of the car just in <laughs> just in case. What you know. in the morning at five a.m. you say to Brendan, <laughs> "Run outside, darling, in jammies." I've got a packet I don't in know the why boot. It's in the car and not in the pantry, but yes, I agree with you. Um, Caro, what is the most optimistic COVID-related act you've performed this week? Did you send me? This? Well, yes, I've actually performed a few. I booked airline tickets to New South Wales, northern New South Wales, for a little sojourn that we've put off, as you know, two or three times. And I've actually booked them, and I'm going in less than two weeks. And I, with the credit from last year, booked um, three performances of the Australian Ballet. Again, probably a bit optimistic. Probably, who knows whether it will go ahead or not. But I've bought the tickets and the, oh, I'm, I'm, I've booked two in June and one in late August. And I'm Oh, really, you should be right by then. Well, it's going to be winter. Who knows what's going to happen? But I just felt as... Um, Are you booking Amsterdam? As a friend, I'd love to, but no, not at this stage. As a friend said the other day, it was a great line. I think it was, I think it was our friend Tanya said, there are no plans anymore. There are only ideas. Mm. So I have this idea that I'd like 
with mum and I to go to the ballet again, as we do every year. And I have this idea that it'd be really great to get to the north coast of New South Wales just for a little week off before the footy season starts, but who knows? I think Tanya's right. I think we just have to learn to just accept the new, accept, embrace change and go with it. It's just what we have to do. And speaking of which, we are now changing into our regular selves and we have to leave the studio because we've been chatting for far too long. Thank you, Caro, for your company today. Thank you to our podcast supporters, Red Energy and Click for Vic and Prince Wine Store. And of course, the Cocktail Cabinet with Tony Newell will be back next week. And I hope your son's feeling better, Tony. And thank you to our listeners. Um, and thank you all for giving us stars on Apple iTunes because it helps others to find our podcast. Can I just say with Red Energy, 100% Australia Electricity and Gas because, um, Carol, I think, I don't know whether I mentioned this last week, we've now put the shop onto Red Energy. So not only oh. home, but I will, hey. Is there the, no end? Walk, walk the walk, talk the talk, all of that sort of thing. Don't forget, everyone, you can connect with us via Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. And if you want to get our show notes via our weekly EDM delivered into your email box. EDM, you Sorry, get an everyone. email from us and it will have the recipes and all the links. So if you can't find the show notes to subscribe, there's a little link. Send me an oh. email. Feedback at don'tshootpod.com.au. And, you know, and you know what, potties? You can call her Miss Jane you can, if you want to. It's okay. Um, we tweet and also we have Don't Shoot Pod, our Instagram account. And as Jane said, you can get in touch with us. Feedback at don'tshootpod.com.au. Thank you, Miss Jane. Thank you, Carol. What do we say? Don't shoot the messenger. Thanks for listening to the Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast with Caroline Wilson and Corey Perkin. Thanks to Red Energy, powered by Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy. Call 131 806 for real Aussie energy.